We're going to be continuing this series called Arrivals and Departures. And uh, I want to start off by asking a question. Have you guys ever had something that used to be kind of special, but because of circumstances or whatever, it became familiar to you and it lost its specialness? Anybody ever have something like that in your life where it's like, after a while, like at one time it was such a big deal um, and it was so uh, meaningful but then circumstances, life, just familiarity. How many of you guys know that familiarity can really cause us to devalue things, right? And so we have those things in our life. I was recently th thinking about this a couple days ago. Uh, our family got together and we were watching a particular Christmas show. How many of you guys have ever watched a Charlie Brown Christmas? Anybody ever watched a Charlie Brown Christmas? Yes. How, how many of you, is there anybody here who has never watched a Charlie Brown Christmas? I just want, really, we have people in this room. Okay, your assignment today is to go home and to watch Charlie Brown Christmas, okay? Because when I was a, when I was a kid, here's my, my old man soapbox, okay? I'm getting up on it. I'm only 43, but I, I'm, I'm getting up on it because I did this to my kids. I sat them down and, well, I didn't sit them down, but I, I started to lecture them as we were watching this because they were on their phones and they were coming in and out and stuff. And I said, listen, when I was a kid, how many of you guys ever used that line before? You knew, you said you were never gonna use it, but how many of you guys who said you were never gonna use it have used it when I was a kid thing? So this was my moment. I said, when I was a kid, Charlie Brown Christmas only came on like once a year. And they, they advertised it for weeks in advance, like Charlie Brown Christmas special coming Tuesday, 7, 8 central, you know? And, it, and so we looked forward to that. How many of you guys remember? There was no on demand. There was no, there was no, you know, coming and watching later, pausing, rewinding, none of that stuff. And so as a kid, you had this one window and if you missed it, you missed it. And so every year we looked forward to this with excitement and then it came and my dad, he worked in construction. And so one night when this, the special finally came on, I remember this like it was yesterday. The special came on and my dad, for some reason, he needed to check the weather. And so right in the middle of Charlie Brown Christmas, he turned to the weather. And I remember I had bitterness for years, guys. I mean, it was like, why would anybody do that? Why? I mean, who in their right mind would check the weather during Charlie Brown Christmas? But then we found ourselves a couple nights ago where, you know, people are coming in and out and people are talking over the movie and stuff. Why? Because something that used to be so meaningful, to me at least, had somehow lost its value because it had just become so familiar to us. And I, I think about that because I, I really believe the word love and the idea of love is much like that because in our culture, you know, we, we have so many, so many conversations about it. We have so many ways that we express that, so many things that we use that for that I believe it's lost some of its meaning because we've become familiar with it in so many different ways. And we know it's a deep thing. Because when you think about it theologically, there are a lot of things that God does. We could list off a whole bunch of stuff that God does, right? I mean, we could just go down the list. And there's a lot of things that God doesn't do. We know that God doesn't lie, for example. There's a lot of things we could list that God does and that God does not do. But there's one specific thing that the Bible says that God is. What is that? God is love. So there's some sort of depth to this word that if it's that deep that God is it rather than does it, then we, we know that we've kind of lost some of that meaning. Like, how do we know if we are really loved? How do we know when we say that we love someone, how would you know that that is true? 
How would you know that it actually has meaning behind it when you say, I love someone or I'm loved by someone? And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at this question and we're going to answer it rather quickly, but I want to go to a story in Luke chapter 1, verse 39, because we're talking about arrivals and departures. And here we see uh, some of the most famous arrivals of all time. And it says, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. So Mary's pregnant. Elizabeth is pregnant. When they meet, all of a sudden, we, we now know him as John the Baptist. He leaps up inside of Elizabeth's womb just by being near and in proximity of Mary and Jesus. And so it's, it says, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is pretty incredible. I could do a whole sermon just on this, but this idea that instantly she is filled with the Holy Spirit is something different than really was happening at the, at the time. And she is filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry. It's kind of a foretaste of Acts chapter 2, I believe. Blessed are, young, are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to see me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So we had this story of two pregnant ladies going for coffee. And they're meeting. I made up the coffee part, by the way. I was just seeing if you guys are paying attention. But they're having this meeting. And as they come together, there are two babies in the womb. And, and what's interesting about this is we see represented here two-thirds of the Trinity in this story. We see Jesus and then the Holy Spirit. Now, the Trinity, if you're, if you're not familiar with this, this is one of the mysteries of following God, that God is one God, but three persons. So we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so we see these different, uh, different moments like that. And so we try to come up with all these ways to understand that. And to some degree, we have to be content that it's just a mystery. But we try to, you know, say, well, water is, you know, a liquid and a gas. And, a, you know, we try to come up with all these different ways. Or we, maybe I could use myself as an example to try to understand the Trinity that, that I am Sean, but I'm also a father to my kids. And you can't, there's nothing about me that's not a father, right? But there's also nothing about me that's not a son because I'm also a son, but I'm still Sean. But I'm also a brother because I have brothers, and so there's nothing about me that's not a brother. But even those illustrations start to fall short eventually as you start to play them out. And that's why we have to be content that there is some level of mystery to that. But nevertheless, we see two-thirds of the Trinity represented right here in this story. And what's interesting about this particular two-thirds of the Trinity is that both Jesus and the Holy Spirit were given as gifts. So Jesus was given by the Father to the world as a gift to the world, and then the Holy Spirit was ultimately given as, by Jesus to the church, ultimately. And so we see these gifts that are represented here. And so we have this story because God is a giver. How many of you guys know that God is a giver, right? God is a giver. So let's answer this question. How do you know that you are loved? Or I could say it this way, how does love really express itself? And here's how you know. You, all you have to do is go to the most famous scripture in all of the Bible that most of you could probably quote. And it's what? It's John 3.16. It says, so for God so loved the world that he what? He gave. God so loved the world that he gave. How does love express itself? Love expresses itself by giving in some way, shape, or form. That God loved the world that he gave his only son 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so that we could say it this way, and I've said it before and I've heard other people say that you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. How many of you guys have ever had to, you've ever felt obligated to give a gift to somebody you didn't like? Anybody ever done that, like an uncle or something like that? You're like, I guess I gotta give him a gift, you know? You can give a gift without loving, but according to scripture and according to God's pattern, if you say that you really love people, if you say that you really love someone, there's gonna be a part of you, there, there's gonna be an expression of giving that has to happen in some way if love is really going to be present. So you can give with, now, now the question is why do we shy away from that? Why, why do we shy away from that? Again, let's go back to the Trinity. We have the, those two thirds of the Trinity that's represented there. What's interesting is that, that God gave Jesus to the planet, right? And then Jesus ultimately died. He was resurrected, but he, he, he was given, and then he died. And so what's interesting, and I don't know how to theologically you know, parse all this out, but what we can say with some certainty is that when God loved the world, he gave a part of himself away. And part of himself actually died in the process. And so if we want to learn to love like God, to give like God, then there's going to be a part of us that we actually give away. And some of us, a part of us might have to die to do that. Now, you have to sort all that out with the Holy Spirit. Like what part of me has to die? Maybe it's a selfish part of me or what? I don't know what it is. But if you want to love like God and ultimately give like God, then you have to give part of yourself away. And ultimately, you might have to have a part of you die to do that. And so what am I saying? You cannot give detached from a cost. And if you want to say you love people, ultimately we can go all the way to the end and say there's going to be a cost if you want to love people. So if I were to take a show of hands right now and say, how many of you guys want to drastically increase your love for others? I think almost every hand would go up, right? But if I were to rephrase that and say, how many of you guys want to drastically increase your giving today? Maybe less hand. I'm just guessing, but maybe less. And especially if I were to put it this way. How many of you guys would like to drastically increase your financial giving today? I think less hands might go up than the very first question. But the Bible says they are connected. They, I mean, the scriptures completely tie those two together, that they're inseparable, that if you say you love, there will be giving and there will be a cost of some sort. Now, someone might be thinking, oh, great, I showed up the one week when the pastor wants to talk about giving because it's 2020 and the church is probably in trouble because it's 2020 and everything's going down and everything's bad. And so I showed up on the one service that the pastor wants to talk about giving. Well, first of all, let me say some things about that. First of all, I would never do that to you, okay? Secondly, uh, I want you to understand as you will see very soon that this idea of giving and generosity and love is much bigger than financial, even though that's where we go, like our mind goes there first. But and, but and then also, I want you to understand something specific about our church and why that's not the case today. Because you guys, a lot of you guys already get this, okay? Because your, your generosity has been amazing to our church. And I just want to give you guys some good news. How many of you guys could use some good news in 2020? Anybody could use some good news? All right, well, take a look at some of the good news. All right, so I'm just sitting here at my desk kind of going over the end of the year financials, and I am so thankful that we have such a generous church. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, in a year of turmoil, and how many of you guys know it's been a year of turmoil? I mean, for sure we've been hit and affected just like many others or businesses where, I mean, the church was 
was online only for several months. Some people have moved out of town or changed job situations. And so, you know, of course that's affected the church, but let me tell you some things that are amazing that have happened this year. First of all, I'm so thankful uh, that our elders and our ministry leaders and overseers were so sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit on our building situation. There were opportunities for us to jump into things that weren't right and we were patient even when we were feeling the pressure even when it felt like we should do something. I'm so thankful that we were sensitive to the Holy Spirit that allowed us to be at the right place even here during this time, which has been such a blessing to to not be burdened by something that was uh, bigger than what we needed at the time to get through all of this. And so I'm so thankful for that. But even in a year where we didn't even really mention our building situation or our building fund at all, uh, you guys have been so generous and have given almost $70,000 towards our building fund campaign, even without us mentioning anything about it. Come on, let's give God some praise for that right now. That is so amazing in a year of turmoil to have that happen. That's so amazing. But let me tell you what else has happened this year. We've we've taken on more space, yeah, and so we've got some extra costs there. But let me tell you, we've also kept costs down and giving has still been so strong. You guys have been so generous that we've been able to put into our general fund, our savings, uh, almost $300,000 this year. Listen to almost $300,000 in a year like this That's crazy. And so the reason I touch on this area of generosity and giving is not because the church is going to go under if we don't do this. I would never do that to you guys. Uh, I simply teach on this because it is such a powerful thing. And I've seen this. Jesus says that where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And And the reason Jesus touched so much on the area of money or even giving in general is because if you can get free in this area then you start to get free in other areas. It's just a fact. It's just what happens. It's just what we've seen. I've seen it so many times pastoring people. And so that's why this is so important that we get free in the area of generosity. Let me tell you what else. In all the history of Journey Church, all the years we've been doing this, and even in the time like this, in a year of 2020, this is our second best year ever financially for the church. What an amazing thing. Come on, somebody give God some praise for that right now. Let's praise God for that. All right. So I just want to clear that up, guys. We got some good news as a church, and things are going wonderfully well. And so I'm so thankful for your generosity because a lot of you guys already get this. A lot of you already understand this. But I, I believe it's true. When you get free, and this is why Jesus talks about money in particular, because it's the best way that we can understand it the quickest. And if we can get free there, then we can get free in so many different areas. And so, uh, but, but it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than just our finances. It's bigger than just that. It's bigger than just one area of our life. It, you know, you've heard people talk about it's, it's like our time, it's our talent and our treasure. You know, those things represent pieces of our life. You know, if you look at those things like currency, you know, you only have, how many of you guys know you only have so much time, right? 
You only have, and at this particular moment, you only have so much developed talent or multiplied talent. And if you look at your bank account or your resources, you could tally it up and you only have so much resources at the time. Now, we'll talk a little bit later on about how those things can increase, okay, so they're not limited. But you do have a finite amount right now. And so what do you have to do with those things? Well, we have to understand, first of all, in all of these areas that we are not owners of these We're stewards or we're managers of these things. God brings all these things into our life. God brings breath into our lungs even. God brings all of this into our life and we have to understand that we're not owners but we are stewards of these things. And the question is, well, how are we doing right now stewarding these things in our life? You see, some of us are, uh, how many of you guys are savers in your finances? Like, let me see all the savers. Like, Okay, last night, man, I'm telling you, we had like one saver in the building. And I was like, man, we're in trouble, guys. Okay, so I'm, I'm encouraged that there's some more savers. But, and there's nothing wrong with spending because how many of you guys are spenders? How many of you guys have the spiritual gift of shopping? You guys are spenders, all right? That's good. And, and there's not necessarily anything wrong with either one of those things. But where we want to land on that is we want to be stewards. We want to be good stewards, And sometimes being a good steward means saving. Sometimes being a good steward means spending. But ultimately what being a good steward is, is coming before God and saying, God, how would you like to use my time, my talent, and my treasure? And so we want to become good stewards of what God does and brings into our life. And so some of us need to get, some of us need to get better at saying no to things in our life. How many of you guys know that's true? Because I like the way Robert Morris puts this. He said, well, if somebody comes up to me and says, hey, can I have five minutes of your time? He's like, yeah, sure, five minutes, okay, I'll give you five minutes. But then he says, well, what if 10 people came up to me and asked me for five minutes of my time? Okay, well, I could probably do that, you know. And he kind of shifts it to, to everybody to kind of consider, okay, well, well, what if 100 people came to you and asked for five minutes of your time today, right? You start, like, what if 1,000 people came to you? And the point is that eventually you run out of time. Eventually, you run out of resources. And so we have to get good at stewarding what God wants to come into our life because some of us are just saying yes to every single thing that comes into our life. We just see an opportunity or we, you know, somebody wants to come and take up our time and we just say yes, yes, because we want to be nice, because we want to help, or because we want to do this or that, or because we want to, to uh, do what we want to do. And some of us, if we want to become good stewards in the area of our generosity or stewarding what we have to have for other people, we have to get good at saying no. But some of us need to get better at saying yes. Because we've become so good at saying no to everything. We've become so good at guarding our life. We've become so good at guarding our resources Guarding our time, guarding it for the things, and we, we could list off a whole bunch of things that would be good things we're guarding it for, but we've become so good at guarding our time, our talent, our treasure, or whatever, that when God comes calling and wants to get a yes out of us, we don't recognize the voice of God because we've become so good at saying no to everything. And so some of us need to get better at saying yes to God. We need to be able to open up our hand. And the reason why a lot of us don't open up our hand in generosity is because we have forgotten that God is ultimately our source. I mean, we've become so connected maybe with our job and so fearful that we will lose it or that we'll lose our business or our income in a year like 2020 that we've begun to look where our hope and our salvation is coming from our job instead of coming from God. We've forgotten that God is our source. 
And the way that I looked at this, and God showed this to me a long time ago, but, and it showed it as a picture of me with my kids, you know, because I'm a father and I have kids and I was thinking about this. I heard this somewhere. I don't, I don't even remember now, but I was just thinking about how my kids, I mean, we don't, as a family, we don't live in poverty or anything like that. And so they don't have to wonder where their next meal is going to come from. They just assume that we're eating next, you know, like it's 12 o'clock. We're eating, you know, after church, we're eating, you know, after at dinner, we're eating. And I know that there are people who that is not the case. And we, we know that's not the case. But for our family, that's not the case. We don't have to wonder where our next meal is coming from. My kids don't have to get up and wonder, you know, what, if they're going to have breakfast or not. They, just, they may wonder if they're going to like what's for breakfast or not. But they don't have to wonder if there's going to be a breakfast. Now, as a father, I can choose how I want to provide that. I can, we can go to the grocery store and we can go get ingredients and we can bake something or we can make something and, and we can get some groceries and that can be their meal. Or I could go and take them all out to Olive Garden or something after lunch and we, or after church and we can go and have a meal that way. But the point is that they're gonna have a meal one way or the other. It's provided because they live in their father's house. They don't have to wonder where they're gonna sleep because it's provided. They don't, they don't get up in the morning and they wonder if they're gonna have a place to lay their head at night because it's provided because they live in their father's house. See, some of us have forgotten that we, we live in our father's house. Some of us have forgotten that God is our ultimate source. And some of us are spending so, many time, so much time worrying and wondering where our next meal is gonna come from, where our next provision is gonna come from, and we've forgotten that, hey, when you're in Christ, he may do it in a way you don't think, you don't think about or you don't see coming, but you don't have to wonder where it, if it's coming at all because he is a good father. He's a loving father. And so some of us have forgotten that God is ultimately our source. And so here at the end, I want to give you guys three challenges. I've given these to you before, but I believe uh, these will help set you free. Because some of us need to get free in this area of generosity. And the first one, I have to take you to what was happening yesterday morning here at Journey Church to make the point. So take a look. All right, I'm here with uh, Chris and Felicia and the outreach team and the whole mobile food pantry crew. And it's amazing, the work that goes into this. It takes tons of volunteers. There's cars lined up uh, all over the place for blocks and blocks and blocks. And so uh, what we're trying to do here is we're just trying to find a way to bless the community. And uh, because of your generosity, because of our partners with Harvesters and their generosity, we're able to bless a lot of people. And so point number one is this, don't be afraid to to ask God for abundance because without abundance, you don't have anything to give. And so, you know, scripture says that by the grace of God, he gives us an abundance for every single good work that we want to do. And so if you want to be generous, you have to actually have something to give. And so sometimes people get into this opportunity or this, this idea that, well, I'm not supposed to have anything or anything like that, but that's not the way that God thinks. God wants us to have an abundance. If you want to be generous, you have to have something to give if you are to be generous. And so uh, sometimes we think that poverty is godly. And if poverty was godly, then God wouldn't be trying to lift people out of poverty. He wouldn't be calling us to lift people out of poverty. And so we have to get into this mindset that we want to have an abundance because our heart is to have an abundance for every single good work. And I'm telling you, there's a lot going on here right now. This is a whole big operation. This is just one of the things that we do as Journey Church to reach out to people and to share the abundance that God has given us. So don't be afraid to ask God for an abundance for every good work.
Do you know that God doesn't have, an, God doesn't have a problem with abundance? Now, that, that may rub, rub some of you guys the wrong way or maybe the religious spirit in you the wrong way or something like that, but God doesn't have any problem with abundance. You go through all, all throughout Scripture, there's abundance all throughout Scripture. You know what God has a problem with? God has a problem with greed, and God ultimately has a problem with poverty. Not, not poor people, but he has a problem with poverty because, again, he is trying to lift people out of that. Because God wants to give people what? The abundant life. Now, I'm not just talking, I'm not talking about finance. I'm, hear me right. But what I am saying is that some of us have been shied away, we've shied away from believing God for abundance. And I'm not talking about some prosperity thing where like that's all we think about because I'm not done preaching yet because I've got some more points, okay? But what I am saying is if you don't have something to give, you can't be generous, and so some of us need to start getting a vision to have something that we can be generous with. And, and, and here's, here's the next thing. We gotta understand this, and challenge number two is this. Once you have an abundance, you have to determine what's food to eat and what's seed to sow. Because a lot of us just assume that everything that comes into our life is, is food to eat for us, right? But 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 says this, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Notice those are two different things. Seed for the sower and bread for food. Supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now there's just a principle that, that we have to understand here. That sometimes that seed to sow is going out of our life and bread for food is coming into our life. God provides both of them for us. But so many of us just assume that anything that comes into our life is bread. Anything that comes into our life. So if you get a raise, well that's bread. You get an increase, oh, that's bread. You get an abundance, oh, that's bread. And we just automatically assume that anything that comes into our life is bread to eat. But, but here there's a principle that if you want to live like God, if you want to give like God, then you have to get with God and try to understand the heart of God and understand what is seed for you to sow and what is food for you to eat. Now, sometimes I do believe that God just literally just wants to bless you. I mean, like with no strings attached, as we say, nothing else beyond that. He just wants to bless you. And the reason I know this is because he's done that to me before. He's done that to me recently, actually. But I know this because God gives us this picture of his heart towards us in our heart towards our kids, even though we're imperfect at it. How many of you guys have ever just wanted to bless your kids for no reason? Like, you just want to just to see them blessed. I believe God is like that. I, in fact, I had a hard time receiving gifts for a long time. And how many of you guys are like that? Like, it's awkward to receive a gift. Like, it's, you struggle with it. I totally understand that because I was there for a long time. Like, hard to receive gifts. I felt awkward when somebody would try to give me a gift. I would, you know, no, no I can't, no. I, like, take that back. And I would argue with them finally. And then finally, they would end up giving something to me. And then I'd feel bad that I got it. And they were trying to bless me. And I, and I had this conversation with God one time, like, God, why is that? Why do I struggle so much receiving gifts? And he said, you, you struggle receiving gifts because you think that you didn't earn that gift. And because you didn't earn that gift, you don't deserve that gift. You didn't work for it. You didn't buy it. Somebody just gave it to you. And somewhere on the inside, you struggle with that. And he revealed to me personally, this is just for me, but maybe it'll help you. He revealed to me personally that because I was having trouble receiving in the natural, it was also translating into me having trouble receiving in the spiritual. Because grace is what? It's a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't purchase it. You can't buy it. And so God began to teach, 
teach me something through a season in 2014 that I call the season of blessing now because it was just such an anomaly in my life that it seemed like everywhere that I turned around, people were giving me things. And it was just little things, you know, things that I didn't ask for, things that I had thought about that nobody knew about that somebody would give me. And all this, I mean, it was just in a season of just a couple months, it was just all sorts, I could list off all these little things, big things, just, just crazy things. And, and eventually I kind of tapped out. I say, okay, God, I see what you're doing here. I'm going to have to get good at receiving or you'll just keep giving me stuff and I'm gonna be upset about it, you know? And so I got, I started to surrender to God and say, okay, I'm gonna let part of me get to deal with whatever's happening in here. And I'm telling you, something broke when I started to be able to receive and I started to be able to understand the grace of God at a brand new level. And so I do believe there are times when God just wants to bless us and God wants to do things like that. But I also had to understand during that season a very important point that as I was seeing all this abundance come into my life, that everything that God brings in my life is not for me. Again, I just assumed that everything that God brought, brings into my life is bread for me to eat. But God began to say, okay, I'm gonna bring abundance into your life, but I'm also gonna teach you and show you that everything I bring into your life is not just for you. And what I found interesting, and I've heard some people teach on this, but it, it kind of goes like this. God trusts us to set our own, to get with him and to set our own salary. Now, here, here's how this plays out. You know, some of us are like, well, I don't know. I don't have much salary right now, so I don't know what, what he's setting or what I'm setting, but, but here's how it plays out in the long run. And here's the hypothetical question I just wanna pose to you right now. What if God makes it possible through a series of events that you know is God or however, and you're able to make a million dollars a year so what a lot of people do is they just assume that, that, that God is blessing me and that I'm just going to live to that lifestyle. But what if God allows you to make a million dollars a year, but he's really asking you to live on 50,000 a year? And he wants, to, he wants you to be a conduit of blessing to other people. He wants, see, most of us just don't think like that. But I really do believe that no matter what the margin is, and we just can use an extreme margin, but no matter what the margin is, that God trusts us to get with him no matter what comes into our life and just to say, okay, God, what is, for, what is bread for me to eat and what is seed for me to sow? And to allow God, not, not our practical reason or whatever, just to get with God and allow God to let him make the determination. And again, the reason we don't do that is because, listen, if you have a hard time opening up your hand, you've proven what, who your source is. Because those who can open up their hand generously understand God as their source and those who hold tightly have, have outed themselves as to who their source really is. And so when you can get with God and say, God, it's all on the table, everything, everything. And I've told this story before, but John Wesley, uh, in the 1700s, he demonstrated this. And he was over in England and during that time he was, he made 30 pounds. Now, I don't know what that translates to, don't try to figure it out, okay? But just get the illustration. He made 30 pounds a year and he got with God and he did this and he felt like he was supposed to live on 28. So he did, he gave the two away. Well, eventually over time, he, he was making 60 pounds a year and he, he felt like he was supposed to live on the 28 or the 30 and so he would give the rest away, eventually 90. Eventually he was making 1,400 pounds a year and he was still living on the 30. Because he had this conviction. Now, I'm not suggesting that everyone is supposed to do this. Please hear me. I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just showing you 
what happens when somebody says, okay, God, it's all yours. And eventually he got investigated by whatever their IRS equivalent was over there because they said, how can this be? This guy's making so much money, but yet he doesn't seem to have any money. And they invested, they're like, oh, he's giving it all away. And in his will, all that was left to be given away was the coins in his pocket and some coins on his dresser. He had given it all away. Again, I'm not suggesting everybody should do that, but I'm, I am suggesting that every single one of us who call ourselves a Jesus follower ought to get with God and say, God, here's all my resources. Here's my life, not just my money. Here's my time. God, here's my time. Okay, God, here's what you want. Here are my dreams. Like to get together with God and just say, God, here it is. You rearrange it. You, you reorder it. You, you do whatever you want, and I will open up my hand to whatever you want to do. Because everything that comes into my life is not necessarily for my life. And then finally, we, here's the last challenge. Once you do this, you have to decide this. You have to decide here and now and not if and then. Because here, we're, there's such a temptation for us to say things like, okay, God, if you bless me, then I will be generous. If you change my circumstances, then I will make more time to serve. If you, and you can fill in the blank, but I'm telling you, every single one of us has an if then. But we wanna, what we wanna be are here and now type people who say, God, I'm gonna do this here and I'm gonna do this now. Because you don't get to the place where you are generous in the much unless you start off with the small. In fact, that's one of the, the parables of Jesus that says, if you're not faithful in the little, there's no way you'll be faithful in the much. Because God has to trust you in the here and now before he'll ever bless you with the if and then. He has to trust you with the now. You said, I don't have a lot. God doesn't, he's not required, it's not an amount, it's, it's a heart. Okay, and so you have to do it here and now, not if and then, because if you say, if you're not faithful with what's in your hand, you won't be faithful with what's in your hand then. See, all that, all that changes is how much is in your hand, but it's still your hand that's gotta open up. It's like that, that little boy who comes into this big crowd when Jesus is preaching and there's 5,000 people there, more than that, but, and, and they're like, what are we gonna do with these people don't have anything to eat? And, and this little boy just said, well, I've got something. How many of you guys know up against the, the need, it wasn't anything, but he opened up his hand. And how many of you guys know whatever you place in God's hands can multiply? Whatever stays in your hands is gonna just stay in your hand. And so, so he opened up his hand and God began to multiply. Now, I want you to understand this, that it doesn't just, it's not just about our finances. It's not just about our time. It's not just about our talent. It's even about things like our compassion for other people or our mercy for other people. See, if you don't prepare your heart now to be compassionate towards people, when the opportunity for compassion to come, it's not gonna just all of a sudden rush in when you haven't prepared your heart in advance. If you can't be compassionate, you, you say, you know, you hear all these stories about people who, you know, had horrible tragedies in their life and they forgive the person who, you know, did the horrible thing and you're like, oh man, I hope I'm like that if I was ever in a situation. You know, I hope I'm never in a situation, but if I were, I hope I would do that. Listen, if you can't forgive somebody for a small thing, you'll never forgive them for a big thing. If you can't have compassion now, you'll never have compassion then. And so we have to decide here and now. We have to open up our hand here and now and not just wait for the if and then. Now, as we come to a close, I'm gonna have the worship team come back up as we get ready to close, but I want you to know this, that I've been the pastor here since the very beginning, <laughs> and we've been, I've been doing this for over 14 years now, pastoring this church, and I'm so 
proud to say that I've seen a lot of here now people throughout those years. I've seen a lot, even, even like we shared today, some major praise reports and things that God is doing. I've seen a lot of here and now people over the years. I've seen people make extreme sacrifices. I've seen people in the area of giving and generosity, I mean, extreme things that would blow your mind, like, wow, I don't know if I could do that. I've seen people love in such a way and give up their time and their, their resources and, and welcome people into their life in such amazing ways. And it's, you know, Paul kind of has some proud moments where he says, you know, I'm just proud of you guys. And I can just say, I'm just proud of you guys because there are so many that I've seen over the years. And we didn't get to have our, you know, volunteer appreciation thing like we normally do, do every single year, but we still wanted to do something and just to give you guys something. Those of you guys who serve and give as part of this church. And so at the end of this service, if you go back to the coffee bar, how many of you guys believe we ought to bring the coffee back? I mean, just... I know, that was, the, that was the way it was last night. It was like bigger praise for coffee than for Jesus. Watch it, okay, guys? <laughs> but if you go back to the coffee bar, we wanna do something for you. Oh, my wife's gonna be my Vanna White model here, okay? Uh, we have, a, who couldn't use a hoodie at this time, right? So we have hoodies for all of you guys who serve and you give and you're part of the church. Or you say, I want to, I wanna get in on this. I wanna start doing that. We have a Discover the Journey coming up in January as well. And so we wanna bless you guys with that on the way out. Uh, but before you do that, before we close out, um, what I wanna do is I wanna take you through something and, and show why this is important, okay? So as we close, I w- we wanna bless you with that because we're so thankful for you guys. But I want you to do something with me. Would you guys close your eyes for just a moment? And I want you to understand, I'm gonna read you a scripture and listen to this scripture. It says, as for the rich in this present age, which, by the way, if you're in this room, by the world standards, you're rich, okay? Doesn't matter how much you have, the fact that you're in this room. Charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future. If you read other translations, this is hinting at and talking directly about eternity. So that they may take hold of which is, which is truly life. This is why this matters. This is why all of this matters, that whenever you are generous with your time, your talent, your treasure, your mercy, your compassion, your giving, whatever it is, you're storing something up, not just for the here and now, but you're storing something up for then. And so would you for a moment, why don't you think about today and what's happened already today, if you can kind of place yourself in that box, think about your morning, may not have gone the way you wanted to, maybe you got in a disagreement on the way here, whatever. Just think about the here and now for just a moment. And now if you can, stretch out your imagination just a little bit into next week. You're most likely gonna be gathering with some family of some sort, however that ends up happening or coming to a Christmas Eve service and having a moment with God, receiving communion, remembering the reason for the season as we say. and, and if you can, stretch out for the next couple months. Okay, go into 2021. And as best you can, even though it may be a little unclear, think about what, what that looks like. 
And now we're gonna travel even further. Let's, let's go five years out. It's a little harder now. What about 10 years out from now? If you can go even just a little bit further than that, like 20 years out, like that's a stretch. Like sometimes like we don't even have a, but, but do your best. And now we're gonna go 10,000 years into eternity. And I want you to just go there if you can with your eye of faith and just to, as best you can, you know, those for us who are in Christ, we're gonna be resurrected, we're gonna be in eternity. Imagine 10,000 years into eternity. And the Bible says, these here and now things, these open-handed things are gonna be storing up treasures for, that you'll even remember 10,000 years from now. That's, that's amazing. That's amazing. And it puts it all in perspective that maybe I should open up my hand like right now. Maybe I should open up my hand and say, God, here's my life. God, here's everything. Lord, I wanna love well. That means I've gotta give well. Let me just say that you never look more like God than when you give, for God so loved the world that he gave, his only son. And so Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for the price that you've paid for us. Lord, I just declare over us that we'd be people that would open up our hands, we'd open up our life, we'd get with you, say, God, we're all yours. We're all yours. Would you guys stand up with me as we get ready to worship one more time?